Hey everybody, it's Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage, I sit down with PFL champion and now free agent Kayla Harrison about her future in MMA. Also, we discuss, will Conor McGregor be the same after his horrific shin injury? We are now joined by a friend of the show, that's right, PFL fighter, undefeated mixed martial artist, Kayla Harrison. Kayla, how you doing? I'm great, I'm great, how are you? Oh, fantastic. You know, Tuesdays... A friend of the show. A friend of the... That's what you are, you're a friend of the show. Anytime you call, uh, Kelly knows to put you on. So, you and I were together at uh, Bellator a couple weeks ago when Cyborg fought, (laughs) Uh, she fought... Uh, Sinead K.O. Kavanaugh, you were literally right behind me. And what did you see from your vantage point, which is pretty much the same as mine, when you look at Cyborg and her performance a couple weeks ago? What was your objective look at what she did? Um, I mean, my objective look is, yeah. well, I think, first of all, I, I've never met her in person, so it was good to size her up a little bit. She's not as big as I thought she was. Um, I know she cuts a lot of weight, but I I kind of expected her to to be a little bit bigger and and – Secondly, you know, she kind of did what I expected her to do. She's a bully. She's a a powerhouse. She comes out there and she dominates from usually from start to finish. So um, I wasn't surprised by her performance. I wasn't surprised by anything. Nothing shocked me, Um, but it was exciting to watch live and um, just get those feelings, you know, the the feeling of, of possibility. And we do a lot of talking. So it was fun to to see it live and see it in person. You, I'm being totally honest here. You are one of the few athletes, and Cyborg is one of them too. The first time I met Cyborg was she wasn't with, she was still with the UFC. She was at like a Bellator event, you know, her and Scott Coker friends. And you go, damn, she is strong. She is big. Holy God. You, you, I got that shock of like, damn, because I, you know, yeah. I've seen her on television where you, we have no real perspective. And I met yeah. her, and I was like, man, she is a monster. I'm not, yeah. I'm going to be totally honest with you. The first time, because I've I've seen you a million times. You know, I've talked a few dozen times. I think Bellator the first time I physically actually met you in the flesh, right? Like I don't uh, remember running to you before that. And, and, I, and the first thing I thought was, man, this is an athlete. I'm not gonna lie to you, because you had you had a sleeveless like like dress yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought literally the same thing, and and that's not an insult. I literally went like, dude, this is an athlete. And you know, I hugged you, and I was like. Wow. And you were one of the few I've met that I went, wow, you you could physically go toe to toe with Cyborg and just pure, not talking about technique, talking about experience or skill. Mm -hmm. Physically, you can hang with her. And you're probably the only one I've met. I'm not going to lie to you. You're the only one I've met. How do you feel about that comparison? Yeah. I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I work, I work hard for these muscles. You know, it's funny because so many people assume that I was, I'm genetically gifted or this or that. And my parents were athletes, not superstar athletes or anything like that. But my mom's short. She's five, four. My dad's pretty short. You know, he's not, not a super big guy. And, um, when I was a kid, I was a little butterball. I was like this little, uh, kind of roly poly, uh, chunky kid. Like my nickname used to be chunky monkey. And I started judo. And it's funny because I have a picture, um, of like the summer I was six or seven. And the summer I was eight and there's a picture of me, like kind of plump and chunky. And then the next summer it's me on the monkey bars and you can see my little traps. And, uh, there's a picture at my birthday party. My birthday's in July. So there's a picture at my birthday party where I've got these like little biceps at 12 years old and 10 years old. And, 
Um, but I, it judo really developed my whole physique, I would say. And it, my physique has even changed since retiring from judo and transitioning into MMA. Like everything's gotten kind of like, uh, before I was thick, you know, like it takes weight to move weight and I fought 78 kilos. So I was really thick throughout. And now because of the striking and the speed that's required and the endurance, I've really thinned out a lot. So to me, I'm like, I'm not even that big anymore. You guys like, look at me. I'm, this is what I call spelts. Like no one who meets you is thinking that we're all a mesh. This is an athlete. She is strong. And, and, and that, you know, you, you always say, and I, in my experience, I don't know how true it is really when you meet your opponent, it's kind of round one, right? When it's like you size them up, they size you up, you get it kind of like mental. I know you guys just hugged for a second or shook hands, whatever it was. Yeah, it was yeah. a, what'd you think of that first meeting? Yeah. I mean, I just, I wasn't overwhelmed with her. It's so funny because I think as, uh, as being someone newer in the sport and someone who's watched her fight for years and someone who's, who's, um, been a fan, you know, you, you tend to kind of like glamorize them or, or over, overemphasize, yeah. you know, in my head, she's going to be this huge beast. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, Oh, I've, I've played judo against bigger girls than this. Like it, it kind of just makes it more real. And you remember in that moment that they're just another human being and everybody can be beat and I'm going to beat her someday. We're speaking to you, Kayla Harrison, PFL fighter, undefeated, a free agent for the most part right now, which is kind of what I want to dive into right now. Scott Coker, of course, asked a million times post-Cyborg's fight about you. Uh, you were part of the broadcast. They cut to you. They did an interview with you. You seem yeah. to be part of the Bellator broadcast that night. <laughs> Where are the talks right now as we're sitting here with Bellator or anybody else? Yeah, I know that um, I know that Scott had we said hi and I know that he had said in his interviews and stuff that he's going to put a proposal together for Ali, my manager. Um, I know that PFL has put together a proposal, so we're talking to them. I know that I have dinner with another organization um, next week. So assuming they're going to put together a proposal as well. Um, Not even a hint. Can you can you get a hint? I mean, there, what, what, there are some fights next week that I'll be going to. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, life is good. You know, basically I have um, really good offers and really good opportunities coming my way. And now it's kind of about just sitting back and trusting my coaches, trusting my advisors and going with the choice that's best for me. Uh, what has been the 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 feeling about. Uh, Scott Coker has done co-promotions before. He's one of the few promoters that's okay with that. Has there been this kind of all or nothing, you're in one camp or another, period? Has that been part of the discussion, or has it been, hey, you can stay with PFL, come over here for a couple fights? Do you know how that works out? No, I'm not really sure. I'll lead, you know, that's why I pay him the big bucks um, so that I don't have to stress about all this stuff, and it can get really stressful if you're yeah. sitting there just wondering, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What's going to happen? So I don't. I try not to get super involved in all of it, I think that um, PFL is open to cross promotion as well. And um, so that's something that's on the table with them. Now, I don't, um, I'm not really, again, this is a type of thing where everyone's kind of like, where's she going to go? What's she going to do? Yeah. Remember, this is not forever. Like whatever I decide next, it's probably going to be a short contract. It's probably not going to be, you know, 10 fights or eight fights or anything like that. It's going to, I'm not, I'm not uh, laying down roots anywhere too, too quick because I have a lot that I want to accomplish. And that's not um, that's not to say that I wouldn't be happy to 
to change promotions or stay with the PFL. It's just that I like to keep my options, uh, my options open. That's understandable. Uh, when you listen to what Dana White has said recently about the 145-pound division, my bet is it goes away in the UFC. My bet is they're just not making investment at 145. Uh, I don't know, obviously. I don't know exactly where they're going, but the way he's talked about it, it's kind of like, yeah, we'll see when a man in his defense next time. And that's even enthusiastic about the 145-pound <laughs> division. Bellator has Cyborg and nobody. What is the difficulty in keeping everything north of 125 alive? It seems like at 135, it's a a couple stars, but but not a lot. 145 is an absolute wasteland. Please tell me, in your experience, having been in this weight class around it your whole career, what has been the difficulty in keeping this 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 weight class viable to a lot of people? Well, I think you're wrong. I think it will stick around. Um, and she and, winks. I threw that out there for a reason, people. She and, just winked at me. All right. Go ahead. That, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, not giving anything away. Go ahead. And, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where it just takes time, you know, time and effort. And you're right. You do have to put effort into something if you want to build it. You know, nothing comes instantly. Nothing comes overnight. The UFC wasn't built overnight. The sport of MMA wasn't built overnight. It's been years in the making and it's been growing. Uh, women's MMA is the fastest growing sport in the world. It's, it's growing at an exponential rate. You know, we have girls now who are 17, 16, 18 at the gym who all they do is MMA. They didn't start in any other sport. They started in MMA. And that's what you're seeing now in the men's side at the highest level. So those girls are going to get there and you're going to have all different sizes, all different shapes, all different walks of life, but it's going to take time. You know, women's MMA hasn't really been a mainstream sport for all that long. I mean, really you think about it, obviously you had a lot of underground, a lot of lower level stuff, uh, but it, the sport was built on the backs of people like Cyborg, people like Gina Carano, people like Rhonda. Um, these were the pioneers and even in women before them, but mainstream, you know, the Showtimes, the, the UFCs, the, the Bellators, all of those high level um, promotions and fights and events haven't been around for more than a couple years. So it's just going to take time. What is it like right now in this, you know, no matter where you go, interim period, essentially, we're trying to figure it out. What's it like in the gym? You don't want to wear the, you know, wear the, the, <coughs> the, the, wear the edge off the blade, but you got to stay busy. What's this period like in terms of your training and keeping quote unquote ready for anything? Yeah. I mean, after my fight, I took some time off just because four fights in a row back to back. Um, the year before I also trained every day, didn't, even though I didn't have any fights, I was in the gym every day, working, working on new stuff, getting better every day. And, and that's really what I'm doing now. I'm just enjoying it. Um, I go to the team training sessions every day. I help out the people who have fights. Now I try and, and do my part and, and be a good teammate and, and just enjoy it. But I love what I do. So going to the gym is, is fun for me. And I feel like I get a little bit better every time I walk through the door. So what are the coaching emphasis? I saw you were next to, to Mike Brown, a coach I really respect. I've known him forever done commentary with him. What have been, the, what, what's been the emphasis when you talk about growth and learning and, and, and picking up new stuff, what has been the emphasis in the <laughs> last couple of months when you've been so dominant, what are they trying to add to your toolkit now? I think obviously the striking is always going to be something that we, we focus on a lot just because I firmly believe I'm the best grappler in the world. Um, we do also do spend a lot of time on submissions, new submissions, different submissions, things that if my, my a game isn't going to work that I can start to implement and start to add to the, to the bag of tricks. 
Um, but really just being an overall well-rounded MMA fighter, you know, we don't, I don't do strictly Muay Thai. I don't do strictly boxing. I don't, I, I kind of, um, have taken the approach of MMA striking or MMA grappling. You know, I, I don't just pure wrestle. I don't just pure anything. Um, I've gotten to that point where I have the, I feel like I have the fundamentals and I have the basics of all of the things. Now it's just kind of figuring out what fits into my game and, and how to, to tie it together seamlessly. So yeah, I mean, Mike is a mastermind for a reason, you know, he's been around the sport forever. If he was independently wealthy, he would still be doing what he does. You know, he's obsessed with it. He loves it. He eats, sleeps, breathes it. And, um, he's a, he's a good guy to have in your corner. Him and Mako and Anderson are all, um, students of the game and and I trust them completely. I trust them with my career. So, I have faith that every day I go to the gym, whatever it is, whoever I'm working with, whatever I'm doing, it's going to make me better. I know. I'm speaking, of course, to Kayla Harrison, undefeated fighter right now, free agent. Can't wait to see where she will land. What is, and I know you're not in the discussions, you're not in the talks. In your head, what is your timetable right now? You'd like to have a place to go or, or know where you're going Spring of next year, early next year. What what, what can the fans look forward I know, to? No, wait, wait, way before that. I mean, please, I was please, like, yes. I, I wanted to know before my last fight, but obviously, um, you know, that wasn't that wasn't possible. I, I think that, um, realistically, I'd like to know by the end of the year. I'd like to have an idea at least where we're going to go. I, I know what I want to do, but again, <sighs> patience is a virtue and. My coaches are my my coaches for a reason, and they're my advisors for a reason. And you know, between them and the Pedros and Dan Lambert and Richie and Ali, I have a lot of people who who have an opinion on what sh- I should do, and they all kind of they all seem to agree and have I, I believe have my best best interest at heart. So even though it, <laughs> even though it may not be exactly what I'm ready for, um, I'm gonna have to trust them if they say go here. That's where I'm going to go. So I think we'll have a, a answer pretty soon. Kayla, it's always a pleasure having you. Wherever you end up, I will be watching. Kayla Harrison, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for giving us your time again. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you guys so much. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Is it too early to say that? Can I say that? Merry oh, of course you can. Go for it. Merry <laughs> Christmas to everybody. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Conor McGregor talking about when he is going to be back. What does that mean? Do we believe it? So first, I'm going to start off with what he said. First, I'm going to start with what somebody said. Then you go into what they believe. Uh, Kelly, do you cut somebody off who you know is lying to you, or do you let them spin their whole lie and then talk to them? You strike me as an interrupterer. No, no. I usually let them spin so that they can sound extra dumb before I go back at them. And then you're like, uh, here's what the video footage says. And exactly. Like, right, exactly. I'm like, roll the tape because uh, I have this the is, well, Was this on your IG last night when you said you were in bed? Exhibit yeah. A, says the people, right? I got you there. You strike at, me as one of those. At first, thought I thought she might be an interrupter too. But then that, uh, the second I thought about it, I'm like, no. I'm like, Kelly's a let him say it all. 
so she can document in her own head for later on as well. Like she's a rememberer, not a not a, a rememberer. <laughs> she's yeah. a rememberer, right? She is a holding the grudge for as long as I know you for the rest of your life. Anyway, I get that. So here's the deal. Uh, first, we're gonna go through what Conor McGregor said. Then we'll talk about what we believe. Then we'll talk about what not enough people, in my opinion, are talking about. Not enough people are speaking about. Well, let's go one at a time. So, Conor McGregor. Apparently, there was like an Ask Conor McGregor thing. He was taking questions. He was very chatty on social media about his future. So, somebody said, this is Chewy991, when are you targeting to be fully healed and back in the octagon? Conor McGregor said, I will be full mixed martial arts sparring by April, easily. By then, a return will be imminent, but I must be patient. I will beat this. Let me translate that. Uh, I will be mixed martial arts sparring by April. That doesn't mean you can get into camp. That means you can start sparring. Uh, Camp, maybe, let's say for argument's sake, a month after that. That means May, June, July, August. Uh, late summer at the earliest for Conor McGregor. Six, seven months away, maybe. That's what we're talking about for Conor McGregor. So sparring in April doesn't mean camp kind of sparring. It doesn't mean the kind of sparring that's actually going to get you ready for an MMA fight. Different thing. Mixed martial arts sparring is one thing, but like, you know, actually in camp, really getting down, sparring three or four guys in a row, five, ten-minute rounds, that's a different animal. And we don't know if he's ready for that. So let's say he is actually sparring with April, and that's optimistic. We don't really know, okay? So that's the deal, is on the timetable he's talking about, we don't know how honest that is. We don't know if that's actually what a doctor told him. But April sparring means uh, summer camp actually fighting end of summer. So that's possible, okay? So, next up, uh, Zoheb MMA, Z-O-H-E-B MMA. What do you genu- genuinely think of Michael Chandler? He said, hard not to be impressed. In a game of inches, he has been incredibly close each time. Could well be today's champion. Yes, he did rock Charles Oliveira and had a very exciting fight against Justin Gaethje where he did land big punches, but he was on the losing side of both of those. I understand what he's saying here. That, hey, a couple punches go his way, he's champion. But the thing about Michael Chandler is he tends to do this. He tends to be on the wrong side of the little decisions that decide whether or not you are champion. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a two-time thing. It's something that happens, unfortunately, to Michael Chandler quite a bit. Always seems to be on the wrong side of the little tiny decisions that separate the men from the boys. And as a fan of Michael Chandler, personally and professionally, he's a really nice guy. It's frustrating, but it's true. It's not a coincidence that you tend to lose fights like this. But it is an interesting take on the mindset of Conor McGregor vis-a-vis Michael Chandler. I think he thinks Chandler's beatable. That he has the style, the strength, the speed, the accuracy to give Michael Chandler problems. That's how I translate that. I do. So, uh, someone else. Jillian Kathleen. 
Will we ever see the Nate trilogy? One billion percent yes. A must, says Conor McGregor. So he's saying we will see the Nate trilogy. When he plans to fit all this stuff in, I have no idea. The only actual timetable he gave was I'm sparring in April. That's it. Are you fighting Nate? Sure, at some point in the future. I am fighting Nate Diaz. Doesn't tell us when. So, um, Trobin, how do you feel about a fight with Usman? Conor McGregor said, thought Colby lumped him up nice last fight. Finished stronger. Without that second round knockdown, it's Colby's fight in my opinion. If even still, I see many holes as well as a suspect dome. I fancy it greatly for the treble, which I'm assuming means trilogy, I suppose, right? Uh, with Kobe Covington, I imagine. So all these things thrown out by Michael, Ch- by uh, I'm sorry, by Conor McGregor, of course, mentioning Michael Chandler. So GSP, the GOAT at 170, unless you think it's Kamar Usman, which is totally fair, uh, recently had to say this about Conor McGregor. This is via Sporth. Hot takes. Uh, this is what he had to say about Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor now, his stock is going down. Um, he was very high in the beginning. And I'm talking about in terms of, not in terms of money, of, of uh, promotion, in terms of status in, in the ranking. Now he's, he's going down, his stock is going down. There's been a few fights that it's going down a little bit. There is a possibility that he might come back up, but I think now uh, things does not go well for him. He, he need to change uh, some of his uh, lifestyle. Happen to agree with that completely. I love the, by the way, the smooth jazz behind that. Right? A little smooth jazz. You know? You know what I'm saying, KOB? You dig that, right? When, when, when he's talking, there's that, that 1980s porn music going on behind him. It really ties everything together with what he's saying. Kind of gives it a different vibe, right? It sounds like he's in an upscale club. Like it, a nice it, uh, having a Manhattan, right? Yeah, maybe a lounge. Having a Manhattan or a martini, you know? Right, exactly, exactly. Hanging out with the Rat Pack. So that's the deal, okay? So, uh, yeah, I happen to agree completely with Conor McGregor's, with, with, with GSP's assessment of Conor McGregor. His stock has gone down. I think it is quite a bit due to his lifestyle and the life he's living, which which isn't good. Um, also... There's the specter that no one seems to be raising, or not enough people seem to be raising, considering what's going on. Anyone else suffering from that kind of injury, and I mean, you know, your shin folding the wrong way, we would talk about maybe they're done. Tiger Woods just gave his first interview post-car accident. It was today. And he said, I probably won't be the same guy, and i got to live with that. By the way, what did he suffer in the car accident? Oh, yeah, shin fractures. Fractures in both legs. Guy's a golfer. I'm not saying golfing doesn't require, you know, physical ability and your ability to use your legs. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm saying what a golfer goes through on a consistent basis and what a mixed martial artist goes through on a consistent basis aren't even on the same planet. Way harder on your body being a mixed martial artist. And Tiger Woods is saying, yeah, I won't be the same golfer I was after this car accident. Conor McGregor got his shin folded the wrong way and is a mixed martial artist. 
any other sport, if this were Aaron Rodgers and his shin got folded the wrong way on a play, we'd all be going, ah, might be it for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't know how you throw a football after that happens to your shin and the recovery time. I really think we'd be talking about your career, for the most part, in the past tense. It's the nature of the beast. I don't care what sport it is. You fold your shin the wrong way, we have to think maybe you're just never going to be the same person, athletically speaking. And, in my opinion, Connor was on their way down already. Wasn't doing well in the few fights we had seen him in. Been finished uh, by Dustin Poirier twice. Before that, finished by Khabib. Hasn't won a significant fight since 2016. And then folds his leg the wrong way. It could be the, the, the fan attraction of Conor McGregor. It could be the esteem with which we hold what he did in the past. But any other sport, you take an injury like this, if it was basketball, we'd be going, oh, man, I don't see how you continue. Not that you can't with the best therapists and trainers in the world and all the money at your disposal and all these things is possible, but we'd at least entertain the idea. And it seems to me that not enough people are willing to entertain that idea about Conor McGregor. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I'm not seeing it as much, but I'm not. I'm not seeing people acknowledging the possibility that Connor might be done as a force at 155. People talk about his lifestyle. They talk about the last few fights and da da da. I will say, honestly, in my heart of hearts, that Anderson Silva was never the same guy after shattering his shin against Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman will, I don't believe, will ever be the same guy after destroying his shin. It, it, you know, it's it, it's just not going to happen. It's your right hall. It's just, I, I, I don't see it. And yet, Connor, it just seems like that issue isn't being raised by a lot of people. That this injury will affect him in ways that he's just never going to be Connor again. Is it because we think too much of Connor? Or because of his performances in his last few fights, we think he's already there. He's already less than he was. So we don't think this injury will add to that. KOB, have you heard more than I have about this? I haven't heard enough people going, dude, he'll never be the same after that. I just haven't seen a lot of it. People talk about his lifestyle and this and that, but not enough. Like, dude, this injury, even if everything were going great, might be the end. Mm, I haven't seen people focus as much yeah. on the injury, but just more or less, Connor's done. Like, yeah, it's less to do with the injury, more with like the, his last couple fights and the way he's looked, and you know, not quite the guy he was, you know, when he became double champ. So, not as much attributed to the injury, though. But do you agree that if there were this were anyone else? In any sport, we'd be at least talking about that. If this were, I don't know, a prime, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes, like, oh, my God, he may be done after an injury like that, right? Uh, you know what? Basketball, I would say definitely we'd be having that conversation. Football, probably also. But, I mean, we've seen people come back from broken legs. Uh, broken legs is different than a smash. His femur folded. I'm sorry, yeah. his, uh, his shin folded the wrong way. It wasn't just, oh, a crack, a break. I've seen those before. Yeah, but I mean, 
I don't know. I think I think because MMA, like, yes, you're throwing kicks, so your legs that does have to strengthen up. And we've seen it happen now a couple times. Yeah, Anderson Silva wasn't quite the same guy, but Anderson Silva was also older when it happened to him as well. So a little, little tougher to tell on that one. But I don't know. I think we just believe that these guys are tough as hell anyway, and they just find a way to come back no matter what. So that's probably why you don't hear as much people, as as many people, you know, looking at it and being like, oh, yeah, he's done because of the injury. I think people just felt like he was already kind of done because of the mindset, and now the injury will be one other thing. Certainly possible. Certainly possible. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.